Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Last Sunday after the service, there was a kid who came up to me with his parents, and his mom said, he has a question for you. And I thought, okay, is this a riddle? I don't know if I'm going to have to answer. Like, what is this going to be? And he simply asked this question. He said, if God is so powerful, how come he can't defeat Satan? I'm glad they came to you and not to me. <laughs> well, and I'm, we're not even going to talk about that today. So, like, if you want to know what my answer was, come to me after the service. I'll tell you what my answer was. But I love it when kids are owning their faith and they're participating in it with us as a church family. They're even wrestling and asking hard questions about their faith. As we jump in this message today, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to go down memory lane. And I want you to pick an age, 5, 8, 15, whatever it might be. And I want you to think of a moment when you did something, or maybe you didn't do something, or you said something, and you were disciplined for it. When I was five, somebody went, ooh. When I was five years old, I took, like, I had a plastic flag on the back of my bicycle seat, like we did that back then, and I took the flag off, and I thought, I wonder what happened if I played safety patrol in the street with my flag. Like, if I lower the flag, will the cars stop? And you know what? They did. And you know what? Kids, my- don't try this. <laughs> you know what? My parents found out, and I was disciplined. At about age eight or nine, I can't remember how old I was, I would steal things from the grocery store, specifically school supplies, because there was nothing like a brand new box of crayons. Amen? Right? And so my parents found out that I was stealing things, and so they put me, my dad got into our 1970s van that was walled with paneling, so that tells you back then what that was like, and we're having this conversation going down the road, and he's asking me, do you know what happens to thieves when they steal? And I'm telling you, I thought as an eight-year-old child, my dad is taking me to jail, <laughs> and he took me to the grocery store, and simply I had to go and apologize to the owner of the store. I was disciplined. And as I became an adult and we became parents, we didn't just go, oh man, you know that discipline stuff? Like, we didn't like that at all. No, instead, we then began to discipline our children. We have all kinds of memories. One of those was when our daughter was 14 or 15, something in this range, and no matter how many times we told her, do not slam the door. No matter how you were with us or your brothers or whatever it might be, don't slam the door. But every time she would slam the door. So one moment when it happened, Mike didn't say a word. He simply got up off the couch. He went to the garage. He got a hammer and a punch. And he went to her room and began taking the door off the hinges. We grounded her from her door. <laughs> oh, Lissy, this is what you have to look. How old are you? Hey, this is what you have to look Don't forward to. Don't slam your door, right? I know it's so hard. Here's the thing. The very act of discipline, as we're disciplining our kids, it's rooted in love. God, the scriptures that we're going to be looking at, even disciplines his children, and it's from a place of love. We can look throughout the entire narrative of scripture. 
and see that God passionately loves his children, but he also consistently disciplines them. If we go to the beginning in the book of Genesis, we can see that Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled against God's command. It was a complete revolt against what he told them not to do. Don't eat from, the tr- from a specific tree. But they did. And when they did, there was a consequence. And in this consequence, in the same chapter in Genesis, we see this condemnation, this separation of Adam and Eve from God and from the garden. But we also hear a message that God says of future redemption, of future salvation, when he said that, that the seed would come from the woman and crush the enemy, speaking of Jesus Christ. And we can fast forward through all the pages of Scripture. We see David committing adultery with Bathsheba and facing the consequences and being disciplined. We see Jonah who refused to go to the city that God told him to and facing the consequences and being disciplined. We can go all the way to the end in the book of Revelation, and God says this in chapter 3. He says, it is those whom I love that I discipline. But here's the thing. If I were to ask you, how did you know that your parents loved you? You might come up with things like they fed me, they took care of me, maybe they told me, they played with me, they listened to me. Likely none of us in this room are going to say, I know I was loved because my parents disciplined me. Sometimes we put that discipline in a different category, even concerning God. And we think that if we're going through hard things, that God must not love us. Warren Wiersbe says it like this. He said, Satan wants us to believe that the difficulties of life are proof that God does not love us, but just the opposite is true. In other words, discipline does not extract God's love from us. Instead, discipline displays God's love for us. And so as we talk about discipleship within our churches, we talk about discipling our kids, we have to see that discipleship and discipline go together as parents to our children, but also with God and to us as children of God. And so really what we want to do today um, is we want to look not just at the parent, you in, in, the, in, the, in the grit and the grime of it right now, or a grandparent, or wherever you are in the whole influential, influencing the next generation. We want to understand it from a much higher level from a theology of discipline, understanding how God disciplines us, and if we use that as our paradigm for how we discipline our the next generation. Because here is one of the things you will know if you don't already know this. Every single child comes out different, different wirings, different personalities, different needs, different ways to, to communicate what you need to communicate to get through them. For Jordan, it was taking away her privacy of her door. And for, for others, it was different, different elements. And you learn these things. But in the overarching understanding that actually God has a theology behind this. And if we take that and we implant that as our theology and how we even parent our next generation, it's so important. But part of that is recognizing that we're children of God. We didn't make that up on our own, that we're children of God. He is our father. And as our father, he is going to raise us up. He's going to bless us. He's going to, he's going to challenge us. He's going to discipline us, but just let that sink in for a moment. Don't ever get over being a child of God. All right. These people who just walked through the waters of baptism. And let me just say this. There's some beautiful stories that you didn't even get to hear in that. How Cheyenne 
was brought to Grace Point by Joni, who was brought to Grace Point and to faith by Holly, and how Holly, in her grief, you know, it's just like this beautiful friend. Hey, listen, friends don't let friends live without Jesus. Parents don't let their children live without Jesus. I was reading uh, just this past week in my own time with the Lord, John, 1 John chapter 3. I literally read verse 1, and I stopped. There was so much God spoke to me so clearly in just verse 1 alone that it's like I couldn't go any further. Here's what it says in First John 3, 1. See, focus. It's an imperative command actually given here. See, focus, pay attention to, dive into what kind of love. What kind of love the Father has given to us? His love, how has he given it? Pay attention, dissect it, understand it, pull it back in its layers. That we, that you and I, should be called the sons, the children of God? That's big. That we're not just subservience over here, that we're not just some secondhand creation, that we're literally a part of his family. And so I don't want anybody to be here today and to hear another message on parenting, unless you first heard the message that Jesus, God's only son, came to this earth and wants you to be his child. Mm -hmm. Hear me on that. That is more important than anything else. In fact, so important that we become the children of God that in John chapter 1 verse 12 it says, all, every last one of us in this room, nobody's excused from this, All who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. How do you become a child of God? You receive him. You believe in him. You trust him with your life. So here, I'm going to give you a challenge. If you're in this room right now, you're watching online or you're listening to a podcast and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never received Jesus, listen, lean in and look at this. Because Jesus is wanting to lavish his love on you and make you his child. Right Right where you're at, you say, Jesus, I'm giving myself to you. I don't even know fully what this means to be your children, but I want to be a child of God. Now, here's another challenge. That's one challenge for you. The second challenge is one of the first acts of obedience is baptism. And we do this almost on the regular. Every time we do a baptism, and almost every time, maybe 50-50 chance, there'll be somebody in the congregation who'll say, you know what, I put this off long enough, I've talked about it, I've thought about it. Or maybe even in this room today, you said yes to Jesus, and you're ready to declare your faith in Jesus. And you are willing to walk out of this building and go home wet Okay, we'll give you a towel and t-shirt. That's all I can offer you. Uh, but a towel and t-shirt. But you can meet Lori and I over here in our last song of, of today. Just come up as soon as the song starts playing. Leave your seat. Come meet us over here. We'll talk about it. And we'll walk right up here and baptize you. Because that's how beautiful it is when you become a part of the family of God. And you're identified as a child of God. Listen, when we understand discipline, from the God's perspective of how he disciplines us. Understand this. He is persuading us through the discipline of, of God Almighty to become more like him. That's what he's... When you are disciplining your children, you're persuading your children to become more like God. 
That's the aim of all of it, is to come more and more and look more and more. Look, listen, lead, and love a little bit more like Jesus every single day. And discipline is one of those things that God does to put us there. But how does he persuade us through discipline? And it's how you as a parent can persuade your kids through the same manner and way. So one, one point to, to point out. In, in this passage of Scripture, uh, eight, no, actually nine different times in seven verses is the word discipline used. Nine times in seven verses. Now, in the context of this, chapter 12, he just gets through talking about, uh, in chapter 12, all these great super saints, if you will. They call them the Hall of Faith. He talks about them in chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 11. And in chapter 12, he talks about discipline. Here's the reality. Every last one of us goes through discipline. Even the great super saints, the Moseses and the Abrahams and the Davids and all those that are listed there, they all go through discipline. It's what makes us more and more holy. In fact, when you look at that passage and you understand that, that the, the hard things of life make us more like our father. Even Jesus in Hebrews chapter five, verse eight said, Jesus was God's son. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So we're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through times of discipline. And God is using those times to make us more and more like him. Now, I want to say this real quickly before we go further. Discipline and punishment are two different things. I know I'm parsing out some words here. Punishment is typically looking back only and with a vengeful mindset. Revenge. You did this, we're going to make it straight right now. And it typically comes out of a lot of emotion. Be careful that that's not how you approach discipline. Thank God Almighty that he doesn't approach us that way. That he doesn't just pay us back when we do wrong. You might have grown up in a home, but that's the way discipline was lived out. That's not the theology of discipline that we're pointing to. We're, we're pointing to discipline over, over, over punishment because discipline looks back. Yes, there was brokenness. Adam and Eve, yes, there was brokenness. David, yes, there was brokenness. But there's also the looking at the present, where you at right now, and how do we move into the future? It is more responsive. It's less emotional. So as a parent, our discipline doesn't need to be punishment. It needs to be discipline, moving them from the past, from the brokenness into the future. How do we get there? How do we sway? How do we persuade the next generation? It's the same way God does us. Let's talk about it. Number one is it, discipline happens as an expression of affection. If it's a punishment, it's probably not an expression of affection. It's more of, I've got to get this emotions out of me. All right. And I'm going to get it onto you. All right. An expression of affection is when God is literally loving us as he is disciplining us. Look at verse five and six. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproved by him. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves. He disciplines the ones he loves. It's a motivation. It's come out of, born out of, his discipline is born out of love. So here's just a life principle for you. Discipline should never exist without love. And that child, your children should know and never ever question, even in the heat of the moment, they should never question, does mom or dad love me? 
Does my aunt and uncle love me? Does my big brother, big well, who's ever the authority figure in that situation? Because even God, in spite of the discipline that he has to give us, he never stops loving us. In, in, in Revelation chapter 3, Lori referred to this earlier, as that word is used again, that most common word used nine times in one chapter. Those whom I love, Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. He is disciplining us to make us more like him. Now, how do you discipline? Read the books. Listen to the people. Go back to your childhood. There's so many ways to discipline. And this is not a how-to, what's right, what's wrong. I'll do. I can't go there, okay? In fact, even what I'm about to share, some of the verses I'm about to share, should solicit some emails from you. <laughs> should or okay? might? Might. Okay. If you need to reach out to me, it's Lori at gracepointchurch.net. Thank, thank you. Right to the power source. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's how you can reach out. But here, here's, here's, here's a couple of the verses. Revelation chapter, oh, excuse me, I just read that. Proverbs 23, 13. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. All right. Listen, that rod is a scary phrase, okay? If you grew up in a home where it was a strong arm and that rod, spare the rod, spoil the child, maybe you heard that little snippet of a Bible verse growing up. Listen, that was, that was kind of what you, it, a rod means a stick, okay? Now I'm gonna not get into the whole idea of corporal punishment and can you use a belt and a spoon or can you use a, your hand and I'm, I'm not gonna go there. But I will say this. Scripture points to the fact that we need to discipline. Now, you don't discipline a two-year-old the way you discipline a 12-year-old. So this is where I think you could read the Bible literally, literally, literally in every sense of the word, or sometimes you can read it for the principle. And when you read Proverbs, you need to read it more for the principle behind it. There needs to be a disciplinary action in place. The youngest heart the youngest, the youngest heart is filled with foolishness, Proverbs says, but physical discipline will drive it far away. And so what does it mean to help that next generation? And it should never be done out of a, 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 hot, a hot head or a, a emotions out of control. It should be done out of a heart of love. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, the scripture points out. So discipline should never be, never exist without love, and love should not exist without discipline. In fact, when you look at this, uh, let me point out that in the summer, there's just a little bit of a commercial break. In the summer, beginning in June, we're going to do a study through the book of Psalms. Now, there's 150 chapters. We're not going to hit them all, okay? But here's what I want to challenge you. Psalms is a great, it's one of the, the, the most in-depth books on seeing the intimacy of God and the transcendence of God. He is, he, is, he is close and he is far and he is intimate in your life and it is so real. We're going to do a series, but here's what I want you to do is submit your favorite chapters in the book of Psalms. We may speak from yours. We're going to have eight months, nine months, or nine weeks, excuse me, to speak through. Summer doesn't go that long. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, we're going to have that many weeks to speak through the Psalms. And so we're going to be listening for you to give us your favorite Psalms. And we may be looking at that, but one of the ones that's already on the calendar is Psalm 23. It's just a powerful Psalm. Psalm 23. This is what it says. 
Notice this. The Lord is my shepherd. Beautiful, right? And if you go on a little bit further, it talks about your rod, same word as in Proverbs, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm. See, whatever form of discipline you use, your children should never wonder, do my parents love me? Mike talked about discipline is an expression of our affection, whether it's God to us or us to our children. But number two is this, is discipline changes or transforms a heart of rebellion. In other words, the intent is to root out rebellion, which is in all of us, no matter how old or how small you might be. Let's look at verse seven and verse eight. It says this, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which you have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not as sons. And so what I want to do is I want to take these verses and I just kind of want to like break them apart into three very succinct statements for us in order to kind of get a better handle and grasp on what they actually mean. And here's the first one. Discipline is purposeful. And the reason I say that is because the writer here says this. He said, it's for discipline that you have to endure. That does not mean that discipline builds endurance. Rather, what the writer is saying is discipline is purposeful. Endure discipline. Hang in there with discipline. Here's the second statement I want to make. Discipline is relational. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? In other words, remember that as you are disciplined, that you are a child of God. And then the third thing, just to make it succinct, is discipline is essential. If God doesn't discipline you, in other words, it says that you're illegitimate or you are not his child. When I go to the supermarket and I see a child who is misbehaving, it is everything within me not to discipline that child if that mother isn't doing it. But I don't. Why? It's not my child. In some sense, you could say, you know who my children are by the ones with whom I discipline. I discipline my children, and when I do, I'm not aiming at just correcting surface behavior. I am aiming at the heart. I am playing the long game. And when God disciplines us, it is the same. He is playing the long game. He is aiming at the heart. I want us to look at a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 because it's at a time where Moses is kind of going back. He's reviewing with the children or the children of God, with the Israelites, and he's recounting all the things that they've gone through, through being delivered from Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and all the things that God had done for them. And I want us to see these words in, in chapter 8, verse 2. It says this, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Why were they in the wilderness? Because they sinned against God, and this was their consequence. But why? That he may humble you. And what is he doing? Testing you to know what is in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that you 
might make, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. What is he doing? He's teaching. He's correcting. He is training his children. It goes on in verse 5 and it says this, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now, I know as you're hearing us talk, in some sense, it's like we're talking, like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about God's discipline of us? Are we talking about us as we discipline our children? And the answer to that is yes. And here's why we are doing it. I want to give you a life principle. While we as parents, while we are aiming at transforming a heart of rebellion in our children, at the same time, God is intent on transforming a heart of rebellion within us. There are so many times, numerous times, as I think back that I can't even pick one, where I was attempting to discipline my child who was stubbornly revolting, or maybe they're aggressively arguing, or passively ignoring me, or just deliberately disobeying me, and even like saying those phrases like I can feel the emotions like <laughs> come back at the top. And it's in those moments that, that anger begins to rise to the top, that a short fuse begins to, where self-control begins to go out the, the window and frustration dissolves patience and it, and it changes the words. And instead of using calmness and kindness, we can speak wrongly to them in the name of discipline. But here's the thing, is when those things happen and those things are rising up within you, pay attention. Because while you are intent on disciplining your child, If we're paying attention to these things within our own heart, this rebellion that God is attempting to root out, God is intent on disciplining us. Sometimes when we're going through this, we look at our kids, and it almost like when we're in that moment, it feels as if our children are our enemies. Children are not our enemies. At the same time as we're disciplining them, they may think that you are their enemy even though you are not their enemy. And so what I want to do is I want to I go to the book of Proverbs, and I want us as parents to hang on to a few verses, just some core verses that really speak to the heart of who we are. Regarding understanding, Proverbs says this, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Regarding that temper, Proverbs says this, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, that he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Like instead of raising your voice to make a point, try going the other way, calm, and even whispering. Regarding patience, it says this, better to be patient than powerful. Regarding our words with our children, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man or a person of understanding. Regarding self-control, A man without self-control is like a city that is broken into and it left without any walls. Discipline is meant to transform, to root out a heart rebellion, but it isn't simply meant to tear down. It is meant to also build up for this day, but also in the future for their good. Parenting is not easy. Can I get an amen? (laughs) You can have all the rules figured out and think with one, it's going this way and the other one goes that way. It's like, okay, I did the same thing with this. It's just, it's so difficult and we recognize that. 
Someone said it like this, parenting is like holding a bar of soap. If you squeeze it too tight, that soap's going to shoot out and take off. If you hold it too loose, they're going to just slide out of your hands and do their own thing. There's some level of tension. There's some level of firmness. At the same time, there's not too much that you crush. I say it like this. I say, I want, when my children are rebelling, as we just talked about, I want them to know they're always loved and that's never compromised. As we're rooting out and dealing with the rebellion of their heart, and I'm doing it in a, in a, in a Proverbs manner, in a healthy manner, I, don't, I want to break their will, but I don't want to crush their spirit. Okay? I, there's a, again, there's tension even in that. Breaking of the will of stubbornness and rebellion, that's got to be broken. At the same time, I don't want to wound the spirit. The wounding of the spirit, they'll carry on for years and years and years. They'll carry it into a, they'll have to seek counseling. They'll, they'll take it into the next generation. I don't want to take, send those wounds. So this leads us to number three. If I'm persuading them into the, into the future, there is the discipline that builds respect. Discipline should build respect inside the, the family. Look at verse nine. He said, besides this, we have all, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Now again, when you're in the heat of the moment, if we do not de-escalate it as parents, if we elevate it as parents to try to match them, then we, again, we're going to create our own mess. But what can we do as a parent to raise the respect level at the same time, root out and deal with the rebellion of the heart. I don't think of anybody better in the scriptures that I can find of than, than Solomon being an intentional father. And again, so much of what we're sharing today, what we even shared last week, is about what Solomon has said about to, to, to parents and to, and to the children. But here's a couple of verses for you. Proverbs 19 says this, Discipline your children, for it is their hope. You want hope? Include discipline. You, you want to remove hope from where these kids are going to go in the future? Take out discipline. Also, Proverbs 29, discipline your son and he will give you rest and he will give you delight in your heart. So listen, this, hope, rest, delight, it happens when there's a healthy form of discipline. Lori said earlier, it's a long game. We're playing a long game. And again, you can be that strong, hard, hold the soap, squeeze it so hard, you're going to control every move. That's not healthy. Neither is just letting them go on and be whatever they want to be and be that precious little snowflake and don't want to mess up that snowflake. Here's the problem. The snowflake generation is becoming adults, and it's generating uh, bare minimum Mondays and uh, quiet quittings. And I'm, I'm looking at the generation coming up. I'm seeing a some softness. And we as parents in our raising up the next generation, we have got to help strengthen them. Having clear rules that lead respect. So here's, for example, we had a rule in our family uh, that was very clear to our kids, and that is absolutely no lying. Absolutely no lying. You could do this wrong, and then you could lie about it. And we literally would parse it out and say, you're getting in what's called double trouble. 
And we, you'd say, this is what you did wrong. Okay, we're going to Our, our kids still talk about double trouble. Yes. And so, uh, not that we still get them in no, trouble. No, But uh, the, it, there's the, what you did wrong, okay? But we parse it out from the lying about it, okay? So what we'll literally do is we will tell them, okay, this is your discipline for what you did wrong, but this is your discipline for what you did when you lied about it. And we always made sure this the lying about it was worse than this. Because again, there's two issues there. But again, that's just a rule in our home. Parents, again, everything in the, in the whole parenting structure, it's a social contract. You're making an agreement with them. Let them speak into the contract. Negotiate where you can negotiate. Let's say you want the yard mowed on Mondays, but your kid doesn't want it mowed on Mondays. He doesn't want to do it. He's going to do this and that and all this kind of stuff. Does it have to be mowed on Mondays? Can it be mowed on Fridays? Whatever you, whatever you land on, it's a social agreement that we're going to do this and you're going to do this and this is the reward of that or this is the consequences of that. So on Thursday, if the yard is still not mowed, do not hound their case. They have till Friday. You agreed upon it. Now, if Friday comes along and if the yard's still not mowed, then on Friday night, when they're wanting to borrow the car and they're wanting to go down to wherever they go down to, then you can always withhold because the social contract has been broken. What are you doing? You're teaching them how to be an adult. So again, does it build respect? Does it show love? Does it get rid of the rebellion that so makes up who we are as individuals. Here's the thing, is we look at it as if we are raising children, and yes, we are. But we're not raising them to remain in immaturity. We're raising them to become adults who do rightly, who live godly, and who grow in maturity. And the reality is this, is that we as parents are not going to get it right all the time. And that's why I love verse 10. Like the writer here like understands this, he knows this, and he says it very clearly in verse 10. He says this, for they, being our parents, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. When you look up this this word that's translated as it seems best, it actually means like Well, there was a lot of assuming going on or presuming or supposing, but not certainty. In other words, your parents are doing or we as parents are doing what it seems best at the time, although we're not completely certain, right? And then it goes on and it says this in verse 10, but he or but God disciplines us for our good. Why? That we may share in his holiness. So number four, I would say this, is discipline makes us better. It is intended to cultivate goodness. It is intended to refine us into holiness. If we as parents discipline our children for their good, how much more does a loving heavenly father discipline us for our good. Now, this does not mean this. This does not mean that everything is good. That when we remember who the writer is writing to, this, this letter, this, this book of Hebrews, he is writing to the Jewish people who are followers of Jesus Christ. 
but they are facing tribulation and they are facing persecution and they are facing tough times. And he's telling them to endure, to endure the discipline because it is going to be for their good. So here's a life principle for you. Not all things are good or all things are not good, but God in his goodness uses all things for our good. It said in the verse that why is he, why, why are we facing discipline? That we may share in his holiness. Now, parents, let me encourage you this. Catch your kids doing good, mm. all right? There are moments where you need to catch them doing good. But there are things, life lessons, that will only be learned through discipline. Or in some translations, it uses the word chastise. And when you look up this word chastise, like the root of it is chaste, which is a word we don't really use in our culture unless we're speaking of someone who maybe is a virgin, who we're referring to them as innocent and pure. So when we talk about discipline or we talk about chastisement, God is intending for this purity. God is intending for this holiness to be refined within us. Let's go to verse 11. For the moment... All discipline seems, there's that same word again, like we're assuming all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What is it? It's circling right back around to the discipline. Those who have been disciplined, those who have been taught, those who have been corrected, those who have been trained by discipline. This word trained in the, in the Greek vocabulary was of an athlete, but not in the way that we think of it. So a Greek was very concerned about the muscles of their body. And so with their coach, they would strip down so that the coach could assess every little nuance of a muscle and see which ones needed to be sculpted and which ones need to be toned a little bit differently. And then they would put a plan into action. It is this kind of depth that we are desiring to train our children with, but God is also training in us. Paul wrote to Titus, he said this in chapter 2, verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions And to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives when? In this present age. If we look at verses 10 and 11, I want you to see highlighted these words that are in this passage of what the intended aim is. It's for our good. For holiness. Peace. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. This is for today, but it is also for our future good. When Caleb, our middle son, was about, I think, I think he was about the eighth or ninth grade, um, he came to us one night. It was late. For us, it was late. It was probably like 9 p.m. For some of you, it's early. But for us, we're old, and it was late, okay? And he said this. He said, I have a paper due, five-page paper due tomorrow. And we were like, oh, great. He's going to be up all night. And then he said this, and I have to have three resources and I don't have them and I don't know how to find them. And so Mike and I gave Caleb a choice. We said, all right, here's here's the deal. One, you can choose to go to school and not turn in your paper, come home, write it, turn it in late, and you will just have to face the consequences of whatever grade that your teacher gives you. Or we will stay up with you. 
And we will help you locate some resources and we will help you edit as you're writing this five-page paper. But tomorrow, when you get home from school and the entire ne- the rest of the weekend, you are going to have to write us a five-page paper complete with three resources on procrastination. He chose the latter. He chose to write us a five-page paper, which I still have. But here's the thing. We had the moment, right? We have that moment where we are intending to train, where we are intending to shape, where we are intending to discipline him. But it wasn't just in that moment that we want to have in mind as parents. We want to have our future, the future good of our children. Yes, we wanted him to do right in the moment, but we also want to think of the man that he is becoming. Paul succinctly said it this way concerning parenting children in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. He says, bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. I hope you hear this message today and you're a better child of God. One, are you a child of God? Mm-hmm. If you have, then again, we invite you for baptism. If you're a child of God, I pray that you understand as God is working on you, he is trying to make you look, listen, lead, and love a little bit more like him every single day. But as a parent, that's your same aim. When you're disciplined, your aim is that very thing. I heard the story, read the story from Kyle Eidelman in one of his books about he was in Texas and this big Texan with a big belt buckle and all that kind of stuff. And he was struggling over his prodigal daughter. His daughter was not following Jesus. And he knew, he knew what the problem was. Even though Kyle thought he was going to ask him, you know, what did we do? We did all this kind of stuff. We kept her in church and all this kind of stuff. We did all these things. Why is she? But he didn't. He says, I know why my daughter is not walking with Jesus. And so Kyle just leaned in and he said, because we raised her in church but we did not raise her in Christ. And going to church and putting your kids in the kids' ministry, sending them off to camp, great. Let us walk with you as a parent. But raising your children in Christ is the number one thing to do. How are you being raised in Christ so that you can raise the next generation in Christ? Are you looking, listening, leading, and loving a bit more like Jesus? Let's bow our heads. Father, in this space and time, I pray that everyone knows if, first of all, if they are a child of God, that they are in a relationship with you or they're not. And Lord, if they're not, I pray that right here, right now, they'll give themselves to following you. Lord, for those who are wanting to take that bold step to go home wet, I pray that they will step out as soon as we stand up. Father, I pray for every parent in this room. As they parent, they will parent in a way, discipline in a way that their child never, ever doubts, does mom and dad love me? That they will understand that they're simply trying to root out in all of us as God is trying to root out in us the rebellion that is in every single one of us. Lord, the respect level is actually growing, not decreasing. And that we are all looking a bit more like you every day. 
Thank you for recklessly pursuing us in all of our brokenness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand together with us. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.